0: Good afternoon. We're here with another edition of the Sean Mo Hoops podcast and pleased to have a special guest with me today, the head coach of Georgia Tech, Josh Pastner. Josh, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Um, Obviously, unprecedented times right now around the country and, uh, you know, before we even dig into basketball or dive into basketball, just, you know, our, our prayers and thoughts are with everyone who's been affected and um, and uh, you know, God bless all the great heroes out there of these health workers, doctors, scientists, uh, you know, people, these first responders, and just um, um, people who are still working and, and able to keep you know things moving forward. So, just want to give a great shout out to all those heroes. I just as I just mentioned.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a difficult and and kind of unprecedented time, and it was really you know this time last week where. Uh, you know in the morning a lot of the colleges started canceling all the tournaments and it was kind of a snowball effect but obviously a lot has changed since then and, and hopefully everybody's social dis- distancing and trying to do their part to to slow this down um you know from a from a basketball perspective this has kind of shut down the basketball sports colleges but um you know for you obviously it kind of shuts down recruiting but at the same time Literally every day there's, you know, 10, 20 plus people going into the transfer portal. Um, but, you know, how's it kind of over the last week, how's it kind of affected you and, and what's kind of been your routine through this?
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, right now for, for in our line of work, in our, in our world, I mean, obviously, the only thing that you really can do with job wise is really just recruit via the phone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, re- recruiting on or off campus is shut down at least minimum through April 15th. Uh, obviously, uh, prospects are going into the portal right now, but all college coaches are recruiting via the phone through the transfer portal and/or any high school kids that are still available and, and eligible for, for, for this, you know, next season. Um, and then you're still recruiting guys in the 21 class. You know, you're staying on on top of them. So, you know, it probably gives you an opportunity to watch a little film on maybe some of the on, on your past games of the of the of the past of this past season and and some things that you that you did well didn't do well and um and uh, and so that's kind of where you know kind of the college basketball world's at right now and you know really it's just focused on recruiting and recruiting via the phone electronically social media uh and especially with the portal with the transfer portal that's kind of what the the way of the world is right now
0: Okay. And, you know, obviously the phone is is a big thing, but does it present any challenges, uh, you know, on the transfer portal as an example of only being able to watch video or, or maybe not even being able to get these, some of these kids on, on campus just for kind of a a one-on-one introduction. Does that, does does that pose challenges right now for you?
1: Well, I mean, it's, obviously this is unprecedented territory for for all of us. Uh, But, um, but, you know, we're able to talk to them via via the phone and you can FaceTime and, um, and you're able to get film and, um, but we're all in the same, you know, obviously right. the same boat you know, all mm-hmm. across the country. And we've got to follow CDC guidelines and whatever the, the rules and regulations and, you know, obviously social distancing and, 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 and no, no reason for, you know, unnecessary travel and all those type of things. So, um, uh, you know, we're following everything that the NCAA says and any, everything that obviously the CDC, and obviously from our school president and athletic director, and, 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 in, and during that time period, the best thing you can do is, is you know, is, is talk via the phone and, and text message and FaceTime, and uh, you just got to kind of adapt to it, and uh, eventually when you're allowed to get back on the road recruiting, um, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge then.
0: Okay, and I, and I did get to read an article, I think it was from yesterday, in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It looked like you had still been doing some coaching just in, in your own backyard with your family.
1: Yeah, you know, I've got uh, three young daughters, and, uh, you know, I tell you, you know, a month and a half ago when that tragic, tragic helicopter accident happened with Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. his daughter, and the seven others, um, you know, it just, it, it, it kind of took the world by a storm in a sense, just because it was just, sudden, tragic, you know, um, just, you know, a guy like Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the other seven people just died way too young, but, you know, which which, that whole time period of that, that day, that week, the two weeks after, you're just, you know, not taking a second of granted, for granted, you know, one, life, but two, your loved ones and your family, because things can change in a, in a split second, um, and, and, uh, so having the opportunity to be around the, my family and, and to hug on them and love on them. And, um, you know, it's, you know, you, you just don't take those things for granted. And, and obviously we're, we're dealing with another, um, you know, uh, just a tragic thing going on around the world right now. So, um, you do the best you can. And so I've, I've been able to be at home more than I probably would have been. And, I brought my girls out and work in basketball and been playing around with them. And, and my daughters, who are really into dance, uh-huh. really got into basketball, even though this is what I do for my living and it's a passion and I love what I do. They come to the games and they love our guys and, and they love cheering for Georgia Tech. But they really didn't get into basketball until the tragic helicopter accident with Kobe Bryant um, and, and, and Gigi and the seven others. And part of that was because of the amount of television I was watching or they were watching or stuff on their iPads, they were became really interested in Gigi and Kobe. And, um, out of that, it, they really started taking a, an extreme liking of basketball and actually wanting to get into the driveway and me to teach them and then to get into it. And they've really enjoyed it. And so, um, um, you know, it's just it's been a real op- great opportunity for me to spend some time with them and uh, um, and to kind of have that you know uh, con- to try to continue to build that bond.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely great. You know, having that that extra time that you probably you know probably would not have had right now of of being able to to do that and and you know obviously 2020 has been tough. Of you know first the Kobe news, I think that that's one area where everybody will remember where they were when they heard it and, and just how tragic it was for the weeks to, to follow. Then, you know, obviously the same with, with everything that's going on on right now. Um, but just in terms of, you know, basketball and, and for you, you know, you've been around in the game for a long time and I've always been interested for you in terms of, of how you got into it at such a young age. Uh, you know, I know there've been a lot of stories about how you got started, but, you know, I was reading you kind of started your own recruiting either website or article when you were, you know, real, you know, middle school, high school age. And then obviously uh, coaching AAU and 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 moving that into Arizona. But, you know, how did your love for basketball first begin and how did you kind of take that initiative to to do the recruiting or kind of, you know, go that extra step that a lot of kids wouldn't do?
1: Yeah, you know, I've I've always loved basketball. I remember in fifth grade I was watching the Lakers Celtics on one of those national networks and I remember turning to my dad and saying, If I can't play in the NBA, the next I wanna stay in the somehow stay in the game of basketball and I figured the next best thing to playing was coaching. And I really put a lot of my energies towards that. Um I I worked hard, I was a gym rat, I was in the gym, I thought I was a good high school player, and of course I worked my tail off to hopefully you know, I wanted to play in the NBA. Um uh but I also recognized there's a there was gonna be a, a time where my competitive basketball was not gonna advance past uh too far. And so, you know, my dad had started the Houston hoops. Uh it gave me an, it was an op really an opportunity for he and I to stay close and then uh but to stay in basketball and then it just kinda grew from there and, and it was an it was a, a grassroots basketball team, an AAU type of team and um I remember in 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 those AAU tournaments, 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, when guys would not want to be at the gym, uh, instead of when our game was played, I would always want to go back to the gym, watch games, sit there and just watch other teams. And I started doing a scouting report and I used to send that out to a bunch of different colleges around the country. I called the Josh Pastor Scouting Service. And when you look back at some of the names that I had in the scouting that I did, it was, I did it as as in depth and detailed as possible. And I remember a couple of the college coaches wanted to buy the scatter Report, but my dad had to tell him that he was only thirteen years old at the time. So <laughs> this was just more for fun. But it was great. I was just a gym rat. Um and and that was a great opportunity to to be around, you know, the the Houston hoops gave gave me the opportunity to stay in basketball outside of high school basketball. And then it gave me the opportunity to coach eventually, both boys and girls and um, and to kind of run the program in a sense, and uh uh from all little details, and it was a great learning opportunity and I was just very fortunate and some of the great times i I made a lot of mistakes as a head coach looking back at that point, and a lot of mistakes I made, I've tried to take it to my time as a head coach at Memphis and Georgia Tech to not make the same mistakes <clears throat> excuse me to, to not make mm-hmm. the same mistakes, and part of that um is just little things on dealing out of timeouts or whatever it may be, so um, um, you, 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 when anytime you can sit in that chair, when you're, when you're making decisions on the fly as being a head coach, I don't care what level is that. I don't care if it's third grade basketball, you know, it's totally different from sitting in that chair and having to make, being the head coach and making decisions. And so when you have that experience to do that, you make some mistakes along the way. So when you keep moving forward in, in, in the profession or at any time as a, as a head coach, uh, you live and learn from some of your past mistakes. So being able to coach the Houston Hoops, both boys and girls, is a great opportunity, a great lessons I learned. And um, and so that's kind of how I stayed in basketball. I mean, it's it's an incredible sport. I love my job. I love what I do. I have incredible passion for it. I love being around, you know, the, the, the young men that I have a chance to be around. I love being around our staff. Just, you know, what's great about coaching is it allows you to stay young you know, you can, I mean, what other profession can you, after you win a game, go in there and get doused by water or jump around with the guys or doing dancing moves when you're 40 plus years of age. (laughs) And um, there's nothing like coaching. It really allows you to stay young at all, at all parts of your life.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I bet, I bet going back to the scouting report, there's probably some, some good names uh, that you had in that, in that list. Um, But, you know, you're kind of talking about the things you've, you've learned and, and even just kind of going back to when you first got the head coaching job at Memphis, you know, you're only 31 years old, you're coming in after Calipari and, you know, kind of looking back on that, how, you know, I'm sure there is some, some things that stay the same for basketball, but as you said, when you're just moving the chair over one spot, it, a lot changes, but also from a management perspective and, and looking back on that now, you know, what were some of the better things you took away from that early experience?
1: Yeah, you know, look, I was very fortunate to be, you know, I, I, I was at the University of Arizona. I was on the national championship team, uh, the 1997 national championship team. Um, you know, I learned, I played for Coach Lou Olson. I assistant, I w- I worked my way up and was on staff with Coach Olson, who's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I was very fortunate and blessed and honored to be able to to, to coach with Coach Calipari as an assistant coach at Memphis. And look, the reason I got the job at Memphis, and I tell people this all the time, I you know, Coach Calipari had won 95% of his games his last four years there at Memphis, most ever in a four-year uh, time period in, in Division I basketball. And um, um, and, and, I w- and and the reason I got the job, because he was going to Kentucky and I was going to Kentucky, I was excited to be an assistant at Kentucky <laughs> with him, was because nobody wanted to follow him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, who wants to follow the guy that, that won 95% of his games the last four years? They all want to follow the guy that follows him. And... Um, <laughs> Um, that all being said, uh, I was you know because nobody wanted the job, I was kind of the last man standing. I got really fortunate, right place, right time, and becoming the head coach at Memphis at age thirty one look i i 'm the first to admit I skipped a lot of steps to be able to get that job at that time. There were so many coaches in division two, II, division three n a i a Division one n a i Division two, high school, junior college. Division one that was more deserving to be the Memphis head basketball coach than I was at that time. Um, but, again, like I said, I was there at the right place. I was there at the right time. You know, a door opened up for me, and, and, and I was just – I was there. And so it was on me to have to try to take advantage of it. And um, so I, I got real lucky. And I don't deny that. I'm, I'm aware of that. And thank God that Coach Calipari gave me the opportunity to be with him at Memphis – and because of that, it allowed me to have the opportunity to become the head coach at Memphis. The athletic director there took a chance on me, R.C. Johnson. And then, it, which is because of that time period there, allowed me the opportunity to be to be one of the 15 coaches of the head coaches in the ACC, in the best basketball league in the country. So, so I was just very lucky and very fortunate. Um, you know, doors open for you when you you know when you least expect it. When you expect something, sometimes things don't come. But when you least expect it, all of a sudden that door opens and then it's on you to take advantage of it. So I had seven great years there at Memphis. We won a lot of games, um, uh, had many great friends. Um, I, I, I love the time. It's not easy following somebody like Coach Calipari, trying yeah. to maintain that level. Um, and we we won a lot and we did well. Um, uh, but it was a really interesting taking something over that's at the ultimate high of all highs in in a, in a business operation in a sense and in, in, in athletics and whatever it may be and you're the CEO, CEO of a company of replacing someone that has had the the highest level of success to see it that way is was was fascinating and then having the opportunity to come to Georgia Tech uh, to coach in the ACC and um to be able to to come to a program and to have an opportunity to to continue to, to 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 move it forward and continue to 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 build it back up and 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 try to have really good success and 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 have the challenge of getting the uh, Georgia Tech back to the NCAA tournament at at some point um you know to see it from that lens or that point of view was was uh was really interesting, and um, um, so you know, look, I've been I've been fortunate to have been around incredible athletic directors, incredible presidents. Everybody knows that when you are um, in a job, a lot of it depends on your bosses, and I've been around great bosses. Um, um, I followed Coach Calipari, who who did an incredible job, obviously at Memphis, the, one of the greatest the greatest four-year run in the history. Right. And to be able to take that program at that time was great. And then I and I, and and Coach Brian Gregory, who was here at Georgia Tech, who I replaced, who who's now the head coach at South Florida, <clears throat> did a great job here. Um, did a great job with the culture, and and they had good players when we came in. So I was fortunate that both programs when I came in or took over. Uh, maybe you know, uh, you know, coming in at different times. But I, I follow two guys who 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 were successful. One, obviously, the most successful ever in a four-year time period. But Coach uh, Gregory here was very successful, and uh, um, um, you know, so being able to see that come in and try to continue the success from both Coach Gregory and and Coach Calipari, uh, it's been a fun ride, and and hopefully we can at some point. It's very very hard to do to get to the NC2A tournament. It's very hard to do. You know, you hear people talk about, you know, man, we need a, you know, 68 teams. That, that's ridiculous. Let's get it. You know, a lot of people say get it back to 64. There's too many teams. Man, we we should have 128 teams in the NC2A tournament. It is so hard to make the NC2A tournament. I don't think people realize outside of the profession sometimes winning one game is hard. Every possession is hard. I call it EPIP. Every possession is precious. And and it's it's extremely hard to get to the NCAA tournament. There is so much competition. There is so much parity. And you're fighting like crazy every single day to get there. So, man, we're trying like crazy. And I'm hoping that the ball bounces our way next season. And we get a couple breaks here and there. And we have an opportunity to, to, to put ourselves in a position to get to the tournament.
0: Yeah, well, I think in terms of the, the EPIP, you know, for me, I, I'm a UNC graduate and have been spoiled being a fan of of that program. But, you know, you go through a year like this year where for them, a lot of the possessions did come down to a bounce here or a shot there. And it kind of reminds you of, you know, how important each game is and and how difficult it is to to really get each game. And all of a sudden you can look and it can be four losses in a row, but those four could have been, you know, really close and could have gone one way one way or the other. So, you know, definitely. Yeah, well,
1: the, 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 the thing, the thing is, is first of all, and obviously you being a Carolina, a North Carolina fan, and um, you've seen it. I mean, coach Williams uh, is one of the greatest ever to coach regardless of sport. Um, uh, their teams, you know, they got really hurt uh, with the injury bug with Cole Anthony. And then um, the Harris kid got hurt as well, too. And they had some other injuries along the way. And, um, um and also I would tell you the ACC I've said this many times you can play really well in the ACC and still lose that happens yep. uh, you can be a good team because this league and you know being a Carolina fan this league is so good that you could you could play well and be a good team and still take losses along the way and uh and North Carolina was snake bitten with this year just with some injuries and then they had some bounces that just did not fall their way they were, they could have easily won six or seven more games Um, uh, but you know, that happens. That's just basketball. That's what makes sports the the best reality TV. And, and I can tell you this, North Carolina is going to be really, really good next year. They got an incredible recruiting class. They've got coach Williams, who's one of the greatest ever to coach in the history of the game, uh, regardless of sport coaching. So uh, they're going to be really, really good. And, uh, um, but again, that's just, that's just how great the ACC is.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously one of the teams they're going to have to worry about is you guys. And, you know, at one point this year in, in late January, you guys are, are three and six in the ACC. And then all of a sudden, you know, you you guys win, you end, end the season with, with four wins in a row and, and six out of your last seven, especially with some big wins against Louisville and, and others. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that you've already been there four years, because I'm sure it's gone by really quickly. But you know, how do you take this team and, and obviously you guys are going to lose James Banks, but, um, you know, so far, at least there should be some some really good uh, underclassmen returning and then who you guys bring in. But, you know, how excited are you for for next year and, and how do you kind of use this year to continue to build the program?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we're we going to definitely miss James Banks. We lose two seniors, James Banks and another senior, Shambari Phillips, but we're going to miss James Banks. He was a really good player for us, uh, was a great defensive presence, and uh, especially later part of the year was really, really good. So we're going to miss James. We've got some good pieces coming back. But, you know, obviously every year is a new year. I mean, you yeah you got to continue to get better um we re- we won 6 of our last 7 to to end the ACC play we won 6 straight uh ACC home games and 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 we really guarded at a high level we had won 5 ACC road games this year we finished fifth place in the ACC by ourselves which was a great accomplishment for our program and uh you know we were able to do some things here uh in ACC play that hasn't been done here in, at Georgia Tech for ACC play since the mid nineties. So uh, we, I was really proud of our young men. They they played their tails off and they worked their tails off all year long. And, and I was happy to see some validation for them to, for the success. And, um, and I also recognize, you know, every year in the ACC is just a monster. This league is the best and um, uh, you have to be really, really good and you've got to get the ball to bounce your way here or there. There's a, there's multiple hall of fame coaches in our league There's multiple blue blood programs in our league. Like I tell people, in the ACC, you've got Louisville a blue blood, Duke a blue blood, North Carolina a blue blood, Syracuse a blue blood. I think Virginia's a blue blood. What what Tony Bennett has done, considering the wins that he's had since he's been there, you've got to consider their program a blue blood. And then Leonard Hamilton and Florida State, they probably don't get the respect that they deserve nationally, but they are really good. You just take those six teams – Take those six teams out of the league for a second, and you take the other nine remaining, I mean, just that nine and start at a conference, that's one big-time, big-time basketball conference. I mean, you're talking schools like Notre Dame, Miami, uh, Clemson, Boston College, uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina State, um, uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, who else am I missing there? Um uh, you know, I mean, you're just, you know, I, I know I'm missing a school. Georgia Tech Scott is obviously would be one of the nine. I mean, I'm missing another school there. Uh, it might
0: be Wake, uh, but, Wake Forest. Virginia did I say Tech.
1: Wake? I, I might have said Wake. Oh. But um, but that being said, you, you you get the point on that. Yeah. And um, that, that the league, Virginia Tech, that was the other one, Virginia up. Tech. You take those nine um, and just form a league of of those nine. That's one heck of a basketball league. And then you include the other six. Those five blue bloods and Florida State to include the nine I just mentioned. What a league. Man, I pinch myself to think that I'm a coach in this league. It's incredible. It's awesome. You don't take it for granted. What a blessing. Really, really cool to be able to be part of it. And um, it's it's the best league in all of college basketball.
0: And I think it was, I guess it was two years ago, it was one of those ACC roundtables that, that aired during some of the halftime games. And it was a lot of the ACC coaches with David Padgett who was just starting and everybody was going around and, and giving advice. And I think, you know, you mentioned of, you know, every night you're playing a Hall of Fame coach or a Hall of Fame, you know, uh, one of, you know, a great team and, you know, just how difficult it is. But at the same time, how great it is to be, to be a well, part of that. It's
1: it's it's, it's, an, it's amazing. It's, you just, you don't, you pinch yourself. You don't take it for granted. I mean, to be a head coach in the ACC, just, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's a real, Honor and blessing. I mean, think about it. Mike, you know, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, Hall of Famer, you know, Roy Williams, Hall of Famer. Um, Jim Beheim, Hall of Famer. Um, Tony Bennett, uh, if he he stays on his tracks, going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, come on, he is. Chris Mack, they're going to win so much there. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Leonard Hamilton should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be nominated. I mean, the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, and he should be in the Hall of Fame one day, is Mike Bray. Um, think of the job that Mike Young at Virginia Tech has done at, at Wofford before coming mm-hmm. to Virginia Tech, uh, Jim Laranega pr should probably be in the hall of fame one day. I mean, look at him. And, and, and I mean, guys like Kevin Keats at North Carolina state and Danny Manning, they're great coaches, coach Christian at, at Boston college. I mean, he might be one of the best offensive minds in the game. He's incredible. Um, and, um, uh, you know, you just you 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 just go up and down the line of of the schools here. I mean, Coach Capel, what he's done at Pittsburgh, and their team's going to be really really good um, uh, next season. Uh, and he you know he's building that program up. So you've just got you know an an incredible uh, um, uh, group of coaches and just incredible people and really really great players. And um, you know you're just you're you're just it's every night you're competing and there's, there's just no nights off. There's just no nights off uh, in this league. And that's what makes this league uh, so special. Yeah,
0: definitely. In terms of the the strength. And as you said, no, no nights off and, you know, a big part of staying competitive and, and being one of those top teams goes to recruiting. So I guess I'll just kind of end with one final question. And I'm a big recruiting junkie and I know you love, love recruiting, but you know, how is You know, I don't know if you have a recruiting philosophy, but when you're going to evaluate players, what, you know, what are, I guess, two questions. One, you know, what are you and your staff really looking for? And then, and then two, with the Atlanta area and Georgia in general being so talent rich, but at the same time, having to kind of, you know, everybody in the ACC you just mentioned, a lot of them want to come into Georgia and and recruit players. And then you have the SEC as well. So you really have two conferences focused on the area. you know how do you how do you try to you know carve out your own stake in in the state and and continue to recruit at a high level
1: yeah and i and i, and I also want to mention cuz i don't did i mention i don't know if i mentioned clemson have uh, i mentioned clemson in the nine team league and then rapidly? i Brack think skipped them uh, did i skip them That i i owe myself just you know a, a big uh someone just needs to just to give me a good old black eye for that because let me <laughs> tell you this on on two things on clemson sure first of all the job that Coach Brad Brunel's done at Clemson has been outstanding. Uh has been really, really good. And um I mean he takes the team, the Sweet Six team, he's the winningest coach in the history of Clemson, and their team is really good. Their team is very well coached. They have great players, um, and they're and they're just really good. And think of who they beat this year. Louisville at home, Florida State at home, Duke at home, and on the road at North Carolina. So I apologize. Uh, to not include Clemson on the previous uh re- response because and there's so many teams in this league but I, I, I want to give every coach their due and every team their shout out. So Clemson and 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 like I said, Coach Brunel is one of the best coaches in the entire country and what he's done uh there is a the winningest coach. And like you said, in this league here in in Atlanta, everybody recruits in Georgia. Mm-hmm. You've got the foothold of the SEC you have got the foothold of the ACC, the Big East comes in here and recruits, the Big 10 comes in here and recruits, the Big 12 comes in here and recruits, the Pac-12 comes in here and recruits. So, you know, you 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 do the best you can uh to try to to try to um 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 you know, keep the best players at home, uh but that's never easy. And um um and and so you know, at Georgia Tech you know, you're selling Atlanta. You're selling the academics, the incredible academic institution that Georgia Tech is. And then you're selling the ACC. And, and look, you're going to get who you're supposed to get. We believe in uh, that, That you know, when you get a young uh, recruit, when you get a young man to come here, you know, it's got to be the right fit for them. We've got to be the right fit for – they've got to be the right fit for us. We've got to be the right fit for them. And, and then we go from there. And um, uh, things work itself out. We believe in five-star player development and that's kind of what we do and uh um but again like I said you just pinch yourself to have an opportunity to be in this league okay great
0: well well look I know it's getting close to to dinner time out east and and wanted to have you on quickly and 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 shortly just to kind of discuss a few things but as I said I've been following your career for a while so it's it's great to chat and and obviously seeing the success you guys had in the ACC as you guys as you said finishing fifth is no small accomplishment, and especially with you know everybody that hopefully will be returning um, another strong year. So, once again, appreciate you coming on, and as you started out at the beginning, uh, you know, for everybody to stay safe and and do what they can do, and and also applaud you know all those that are are going above and beyond right now. So, thank you very much for for appearing on the Shamu Hoops podcast.
1: Thanks, Sean. God bless to everybody, and stay safe.
0: Thank you very much.